Welcome into a, another edition of Buck the World. Uh, sorry that we had to take a little bit of a break. We're still sort of working out each other's schedules and how we're going to figure out this podcasting thing. We're also both huge nerds, so this was a very busy weekend for us on the non-Buck side of things as we uh, had to deal with Avengers Endgame and also Game of Thrones, which I am not caught up on, but I, I try to be. I try to. I'm working on it. Uh, how are you doing, Bill? Uh, uh, long weekend. I, I, I work for a uh, film uh, or a theater chain, so I was heavily involved in many Endgame things, and so that mean, meant a lot of festivities and activities, and... I was trying to watch, and I tried to watch Game of Thrones last night and react to that. And I also tried to watch the Bucks game. Well, I did watch the Bucks game. I tried to reconcile it, but and react to that properly. And uh, so I'm doing okay. How are you? <laughs> the Bucks game was disaster. It yeah. took a lot of my willpower out of me. Um, I was just like, like I drive two hours to the games, so like. I'm halfway uh, home and I'm just like, home. I'm just like so sad. Like it, um, and this is a different type of sad, but like, I remember playing the thunder last year and we were down 20 at the end of the first quarter and like, it never really got closer. I think we ended up losing by 30 and like, you know, it's cause the coaching's bad and you can kind of reconcile that a little bit, but that doesn't just take the entire hit out of your stomach from the fact that you drove two hours to watch it, your favorite team lose by 30 and uh, not really give a good effort the entire time. And that's a regular season game. That feeling is just amplified in the playoffs. And that, this was the worst loss of the Mike Budenholzer era. Not oh, only because, not only because the game far. actually mattered, but because it wasn't competitive and it was the first Mike Budenholzer game that we've seen that uncompetitive. It was competitive for, to be fair, uh, going into halftime, they had a nice little run that was very encouraging. So when they were only down two, right? Yeah. And I I think we all thought the second half was going to be this sort of back and forth battle and the two biggest runs were in the first half. And then it just. Whoa. You know what? I just realized Gersh Gershwan uh, Yabusele played, man, that, that, that's the tale of the, the game. That's all that needs to be said. He it played was two minutes. It was the earliest I've left a game at the Pfizer forum. <laughs> oh, did you, Oh, did you actually leave before it ended? Wow. I left with about four and a half minutes left. Wow. I, I was, I, we were the first ones in our row to leave, but it was like, this isn't this isn't gonna get better. <laughs> I, I'm I'm slightly disappointed in you, but I also understand. We were down so. twenty and I said to my friend, I said, if this gets any worse, uh we're leaving. He's like, Yeah, I, I'm with you. And uh I don't remember who it was, but somebody on the box missed a shot. The Celtics came down, hit a three, and I said, Next time out, we're out of here. And the ball went out of bounds a few seconds later. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I recall that moment because that was probably uh I, I I watched the game with the Austin Bucks crew, which was Connor Tierney and Frank Madden, um, and I believe the last thing Frank said, like he he literally didn't talk about the game after that. Like I think it was uh, four minutes some mark when 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 that exact event happened, and he said that's it, and that was it. <laughs> Indeed, it was. <laughs> I. I, I sort of tell myself when the Bucks are down, I say, you know, if they can cut it to eight 
before the end of this period or before the first TV timeout, you know, I'll feel pretty good about it. And, you know, I said that at halftime. At halftime, I was like, if it's a single-digit game heading into the second half, you know, they can make adjustments, come back from it. So I was pretty confident coming out of halftime. I was uh, really – I was clearly too confident. So Near the end of the third quarter, they were down 13. Uh, my, the number I wanted was 8. I was like, if they can cut it down to 8, and then it ballooned up to thir- or 20. And I was like, oh, not going to happen. It's... But let's let's sort of get into the X's and O's. If you had to say that one thing, and we both know it wasn't just one thing. This team yes. does not lose because of one thing. Uh, but if you had to pin it on one thing, what was your biggest flaw with what the Bucks did on Sunday? And it's Giannis. It, it's Giannis. You want to expand on that? <laughs> uh, Giannis had one of the worst games I've seen from him in recent memory. He was actually bad. Uh he was he looked to be bad defensively, which is odd for him. Uh, he almost I literally cannot remember the last time he came out and didn't operate well defensively. He's always done that, even with his few offensive bad games. Um, it was it was just a mess. Uh, he was man um, overall seven for twenty one. Randomly, he went three for five from three. Uh, I don't which is odd, but it was a, I mean, that he only hit four two pointers and he is a restricted area menace. And none of that happened. Uh, It was, it was so uncharacteristically Giannis that we were speculating a bit before we uh, started recording the pod on whether or not he might've been sick because it's one thing to be sort of physically outmanned, but he looks so mentally disengaged it, it seemed like he his mind wasn't there. I And I don't want to speculate into anything, you know, personal or anything. And if Giannis is sick, we might never hear it. You remember two years ago when uh, Chris Middleton was working his way back from sort of injury still, but he got the flu against the Raptors and he sort of, you know, went down a bit for game five and six in terms of production. And we didn't hear about it till after the series. That was Chris. With Giannis, I don't know if we'd ever hear it. Giannis doesn't, like, make excuses and... I don't want to make excuses for him, but I'm sort of grasping at straws here because it was the worst I've seen him play in two years. And Celtics fans will try and take all sorts of credit and stuff like that. But we saw Al Horford guard Giannis last year. They had the same coach last year. They weren't able to do this last year. Are you telling me that the difference is Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving's off-ball defense? Because I'm not buying that. No way. No yeah. Way. So uh, I didn't see it. I didn't see any impact from them on that front. I, I mean. In terms of the way the Celt, I think the Celtics had a strategy, uh, and it worked well. I mean, there's so many things to like digest, but specifically with Giannis, whenever he drove to the rim, he was consistently, uh, well, many times I should say, uh, he was con- he would he would drive, and he was surrounded by four defenders. He he didn't make the reads to kick out the ball. There were open shooters frequently. We didn't shoot the ball well, but we also didn't take as many threes as we probably even could have. We only took 39, but there were many times they collapsed on Giannis. They all used their forearms and placed their, uh, specifically Horford, placed uh, all the, and used their forearms to guide their defense uh, against Giannis. And, you know, that's not legal. And, uh, you know, Buck's Twitter has made 
made that well aware, but it wasn't just the Celtics using that illegal defense and playing him physically and playing him well, which they did. It was also Giannis not making the reads. He only had two assists on the night and he had so many more opportunities because we've seen games where the defense decides to focus so heavily on him that he uh, changes and adapts because he's Giannis and his assists go through the roof. And then that changes the whole flow of the game. And that didn't happen. I was expecting it to happen at, at, at halftime. I was like, oh, Giannis is going to come out and do what he does after he struggles in a half. He's going to adjust, and it's and goodbye Celtics. And the opposite happened. It got even worse. Yeah, and a, a lot of times he would be sort of walled off in the paint. You know, his yes. primary defender would be, uh, let's say it was Marcus Morris, and mm -hmm. Al Horford would make the rotation over from, like, the weak side shooter, which would often be Ursan Brook in the opposite corner, he would miss that read. He would force a difficult pass to a guy up top. Um, they weren't rotating down behind him, which was also sort of troubling. The um, I, I, I want to stick with Giannis for another minute or two, but uh, we can talk more about what his teammates were doing around him that didn't make it any easier uh, in mm -hmm. a sec. Um, he wasn't assertive physically either. Um, you know, he has a lot of those shots where he usually turns them into and ones and the shot itself wasn't going. And then he was going one for two at the line and it, it might not seem like it in a single game sample. You know, if you, if you want to shoot 70% on Sunday from the line, we're talking about a seven out of 10 game instead of a five out of 10 game and games are won and lost by two points. But, uh, it, it, it means a little bit more than that. You know, if it, he just has to be able to shoot 70%. I wouldn't be surprised if he sh if he had, you know, 15, 18 free throw attempts tomorrow. Um, and I don't, I don't think that John Horst is necessarily in the Daryl Morey category, but I, th I think they would send an email and say, Hey, <laughs> I want the pool for Tuesday night to watch this film. And we got to know if this is a foul or not. If that, that forearm thing, if they're not going to call that, we, we got to know it ahead of time and just sort of make it clear to the refs that there has to be some, so, there has to be a solution because that is legal defense. You cannot illegal. guard with, with your forearm, with your forearm. You cannot, you have to have your hands in the air and they consistently did not call it. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, that's, I, that's, I, I mean, I, I don't want to pin a percentage of that on the Bucks and Giannis's struggles, but it's very significant. Brad Stevens made a clearly made a decisive decision to coach that way, yeah. employ employ that, and he won. Like knowing, essentially saying what a, a narrative that has gone on throughout the season with some coaches, which is the decision to let's just have guys uh, pitter-patter and slap Giannis sort of and hope the, the refs don't call it every single time because uh, refing Giannis is difficult because he's so physically dominant that he could almost get called for a foul every single time he gets into the restricted area. So, and, Bre and that strategy has worked sometimes. It, we saw at the end of game four against the Pistons, uh, they were employing that strategy there was a lot of pitter patter and the refs called everything. And then the league reacted. Pistons fans were really, I shouldn't say the league, but Pistons fans were very upset. People were, there were narratives popping up about how it was unfair. And 
I, I don't want to claim that this is a reaction. <laughs> I, I don't know what I don't know what to claim, but I know that that was a narrative, and I'm upset. <laughs> I'm upset. Was... Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get too bogged down on officiating because I. Yeah, you're right. I, I hate I, doing I, that. I hate I, I, I know. I know. I, I say I hate doing it, and I do it often. But I really do hate doing it because it, it, it feels like sort of the coward's way of being a fan of basketball, like mm -hmm. not taking responsibility for your own team. Like not yep. I, maybe responsibility isn't the right word because obviously I have z literally zero outcome. Maybe, maybe, maybe like a 18th of a percent outcome because I, I go <laughs> to the games and I cheer and my revenue helps buy their meals. So uh, I'll, I'll take that tiniest, tiniest shred of responsibility. Uh. But uh, let's sort of move on. Uh, how about your second biggest issue? And if you don't got one, I got one locked. Um, so after that, after that, because Giannis is is everything to the team. By the way, he was a team uh, high or team low, team high, team low, negative twenty four. Team, team worst would be the correct way to say that. Negative twenty four uh, says something. Um, but the uh, unplayable against the Celtics, Brooke Lopez was a team high. Flynn plus plus two. Lines. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have any issues with Brooke's play and the the narrative that surrounds him right now. I, I don't I, I think he was good. You think it was pretty fine. Like, I don't I don't know. Um, I, I, single game plus minus is like an incredibly he, flawed way to judge people. Yes. But I, I love it when people say. Well, he was only good because he was on the court during that really good run, and it's like, yeah, that's significant that he was on the court during that really good run. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah, that is why it was good because he was part of that. <laughs> yeah, sing, a single game plus minus is, it's like most metrics, but especially this metric, it's flawed. It's incredibly flawed. You can't make any broad judgments out of it. But yeah. Brook was fine in this game. Like he was fine. And you know, like. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll just ask you before we get into another problem. Do you think the Bucks should be making wholesale changes? Hmm, that's a fun topic. Because um, some people are mad that Bud probably didn't say he was going to okay, make wholesale so, changes. But like to sort of expand on that, he was never going to say that he was going to make wholesale changes. I know Kane Pittman said if you were expecting the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks to come out today and say we're changing everything. That's just no coach would ever do that. Yeah, that that'd be really dumb. But <laughs> be, do you think they should? Maybe they uh, will, maybe they won't, but do you think they should? There is one player uh I think who played so terrible tonight and this is a seven game series so you do need to react to small sample sizes a little bit more because things need to change. There was some, one player I thought was so bad on both ends that he was excellent in the piston series, but I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to let you guess who you think I'm talking about. Cause I'm normally a huge fan of Pat Connaughton. <laughs> Correct. But uh, I, I would say that removing yeah. Pat Connaughton from the rotation isn't even a wholesale change. Like when I think oh, wholesale change, you mean like starters? I'm I'm thinking not only starters. I'm thinking you know how you approach the game systemically, like altering coverages on something or another, or altering oh. the type of offense okay. they run. And the like if they were to switch to a switching defense, yeah, uh, uh, they're what they are twenty eighth in the league in pick and rolls. If they started running more pick and rolls, yeah, uh, like if they 
Uh, no, that's not happening yet. Uh, I don't think it will. But do you think it should? Uh, no, because I don't think that the issues I saw in game one were systemic, I guess. I I don't, I I saw, I I saw issues with with the way. I just thought that some people were saying it's, there has to be wholesale changes. We have to start switching. We have to attack the pick and roll more often. No. Like, I, I, You saw where the Celtics. You saw where the Celtics got their bread and butter. It was the mid range. That's our defense. Our defense is designed to give up the mid range and and I guess the pick and pop to the big man. And but, I thought and, they played Kyrie perfectly on a lot of that. Like when yeah, you're watching and like if he's gonna yeah. hit those tough step back fade arounds, you shake his hand and you go home. Like yeah, that's fine. Taking, are, are you gonna double that? Are you gonna double a fadeaway mid range? Because I, I can't imagine doing that. Um, Kyrie got his. Like maybe you take a half step further out on Al Horford. At at times, I did feel like they could have closed a little harder on that. But like, so much of it was like the Bucks would work really hard to get a bucket, and then all of a sudden they're back in transition, and they didn't match up correctly, and the Celtics got an easy one. And it's like like, it seemed like a lot of it seemed like a lot of nervous mental jitters that like. They they just they looked out of sorts and discombobulated the whole night, like especially on offense. And I I also hate the fact that it's a noon game excuse because the Celtics oh. played a noon game too, but the Bucks yeah. have looked really bad in noon games this year. I think that was yeah. the third I attended live, and I I was just like, yeah, this is this is kind of garbage. And um, I don't know what it is. I I know I, people were talking about this a lot on Twitter, and I don't know if it's significant, but I guess Giannis takes a nap for all the seven o'clock games. So he'll go to the stadium, you know, go through a shoot around his morning activities and stuff. Then he'll go home and take a nap. Uh, we are really reading into it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you sort of have to because yeah, the alternative is just saying that we got heavily but... outplayed, which we did. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. the alternative is just saying that and then being done with it, which would be a very bad podcast. But, it is how I feel. Hey, all, <laughs> all, all historic, all the history has proven that a, with, I mean, you've, I think you've said it more than anyone you're, and you're way better at understanding these historic metrics than I am. But from what I understand, uh, the way that these bucks are supposed to be, you know, making their way to the finals, like, <laughs> If you follow history with the way they've performed as a team. For, so for a team with this net rating, this would be losing in the semis would be the worst outcome. I ever think ever by a team with it, that great of a net rating. Yeah. 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 So so I guess it is right for us to react to things like fucking naps before games. Like you're you're right. You're right. Uh it's just it's it feels silly, but you know, I, I don't. I, I was. I, I'm just throwing out some possible reasons. You know, I don't after think the going to be this bad tomorrow. After the game, I, I sort of, I had a weird reaction. I wasn't angry. I was sort of, I was like, my immediate emotion was like, kind of humor, because that's not a, an emotion, but I was feeling humorous because it just it seemed like a joke. That game, it just felt like a joke, like a sick joke. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it shouldn't have happened. Like it, it reminded me so much of the Jason Kidd books. Like when I was watching the ebbs and flows of that game. Um, 
It did. Uh, for there was one kid season where they were like the worst team in the NBA in the third quarter, and uh, I used to joke that like kid would just yell at them or like hit them, like throw chairs at them during the entire halftime because they would come out with less energy than they had in the first <laughs> half and like look totally beaten down. And it's like, yeah, did you tell them all that their grandma died during halftime because yeah. it, it it looks really bad. It looks like they could not care less about basketball right now, and. Uh, I don't think coaching's for everybody. I think coaching's kind of a, it's, there was something on Twitter about how if you're the you rah rah coach where you just sort of inspire your guys, that doesn't really work in the playoffs. And that's sort of the problem with, uh, I don't, I don't really want to call them out, but I I was going to say Billy Donovan and Scotty Brooks. Oh, Okay. And not, I don't think that's Bud. I think Bud has a lot of stuff he does well tactically. Um, I know a lot of people are on Bud about not being the over-adjuster or the tinkerer. Yeah, we'll but that, that can backfire. It, it can 100% backfire. And uh, I, we'll, we'll see. Like, if they don't win tomorrow, season's it's full over. panic. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that, but it's full panic. Uh, and they got I guess... Of- it doesn't even matter. Historically, they, it doesn't even historic- matter if they win game three at that point, though. Like they'd have to win game three and game four for people to start buying in again. Um, You're right. And historically, how many times has that happened after <laughs> after going down to all? And, I know and the, the home but, team, yeah. the home team too. Yeah. So you'd have to win win the next two in Boston. Um, okay. So. Uh, basically we got way off track but yeah i guess i expected so, that um pat Connaughton, really bad oh. i oh I, my god I, I i was losing it at the stadium and people around is... me people around me i get they get so mad because i'm sitting next to 30 middle-aged white people who love pat Connaughton because he played all three sports in high school and stuff like he's, that he's a blue collar hero dude yeah yeah a blue collar hero <laughs> to all the so hard guys with 40 inch verticals yeah <laughs> Um, so th- the entire thing, the entire thing's dumb. Pat Connaughton, what's he shooting from the year from three point, like 31%. He shot like I, a 31% guy. I, I'm going to pull it up now because I'm pretty sure it's worse than that. Uh, it is, uh, I guess it's, oh, I guess it's up to 33%. Yeah. I'm a little surprised by that, which is actually surprisingly close to his career. Well, closer than it was before of 34.9%. I thought he was due for some mean reversion, but that continues to not be the case. Yeah. So I, I just get frustrated when I watch him play because he misses wide open threes that could really swing the game and he gets cooked on defense. Um, but one of the things I love about basketball and prospects is guys that can run the pick and roll. Like when we'll mm-hmm. talk about draft coverage in a month, uh, maybe not even a month. Yeah, probably a month. Uh, it'll be after the Bucks it... season ends, which yeah, that'll be fun because that'll and... be the last time we talk about draft coverage for like three years. <laughs> it's 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 in reality, it's just a year because of the Stepien rule, right? Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. be we'll have a year off. We yeah, I don't think we have a second rounder next year. I think we traded that one for no. Year, I think but... no, all the second rounders are gone for like four years. When we I talk think. about draft coverage, the uh-huh. type of prospect I love is somebody who can do some initiating from another position. And mm-hmm. you sort of see the value of that with the Celtics when you watch somebody like Gordon Hayward um, mm-hmm. run pick and rolls and then attack, uh, use that as leverage to attack. And uh, he cooked, he cooked back on Like uh, I know all the box tweeted like three clips in a row of Connaughton just getting 
cooked on those. It was and bad. I'm not going to claim to be like some savant of watching basketball. I just watch a lot of it. So you start to notice things and mm. you can, you can see it in real time. Like, mm. and when I watch at home, do you have DVR? Uh, no, I, I, uh, you stream. I, yeah. I stream the NBA playoffs. Don't tell anyone. Um, and, uh, like no problem with that, but I just absolutely love my DVR because I see a play that I found. I have cable, dude, and I hit the rewinder, and mm-hmm. uh, I watch it right back, and I get to mm-hmm. see, um, I get to see the exact play again. And yeah, it's, I'll do it. You for can do that on League stuff Pass. Like that. So I love that. I did that during the regular season, of course. But, but yeah, so I think that's incredibly useful. Um, but like, I don't have that at the arena. So when I'm at the arena, I'm watching the games, and I'm like, oh it looks like he's getting cooked and I'll, I'll usually tweet it and then somebody can respond to me or other people can say what they're seeing and just sort of stuff like that. And mm-hmm. uh, people were in agreement. It was not going well for Pat. And I thought he had had a decent defensive piston series. And then I thought about the fact that uh, Glenn Robinson, not running pick and rolls. Um, Wayne Ellington doesn't run pick and rolls. You got to mm-hmm. chase her on screens and stuff like that. But like none of it mattered. Like the Bucks mm-hmm. were up so big in every game that like the defensive engagement didn't really matter, mm-hmm. and like I don't understand why you would play him over Tony Snell, who's more consistently a knockdown shooter, and he's better on defense. I mean, I I, I understand why he is, and I I know that you and I have sort of we've in the past we like butt heads on Pat, but um, Pat has moments where he he brings that energy and he does become an impact player by simply being involved in almost every single significant possession, whether that's on defense I don't even or offense. Think you believe that. <laughs> he has his moment. You can't say that. He, like, he has, he has like a good sequence. Like Giannis had when he was a rookie where you would well, block a shot. Apparently that's what Bud likes. Dude. That's, that's what take the guy likes. when you have consistent guys around him, when you have Chris Middleton's and Giannis and Tatakumpos, you don't need a guy that just brings you energy. Like give it to a guy who's a consistent player on both ends. Like I don't, I, don't misplace Snell, energy with effectiveness. You're I, I would absolutely love to see Snell like repl- give it, get a shot. But I mean, it looks like he's, He's look. He's from the outside looking in right now. And Snell, there are times when I think Pat's a better option than Snell in the regular season because Snell can become invisible on offense and simply do. He's uh, only invisible do, if you're not watching. The fact you can't leave Tony Snell open, you can leave Pat Connaughton open. I suppose you're right. The expected outcome when Tony Snell shoots a three is 1.25 points per possession. The expected outcome when Pat Connaughton shoots a three is 0.99. Like, that's a huge swing. It's massive. Um, I get, well, I guess it comes down to the ball handling then. You know, Pat's a better ball handler than Snell. So. And- I have a I, I have a problem with everybody needing to be a ball handler. Like I That's like the a, ability. It's to. clearly a bud thing, though. You it's see a bud that, thing. Right? But why is he encouraging Sterling Brown to do it? <laughs> like that. Uh, the flex the flexibility necessary. Like I I understand from it's, Bud's it's standpoint. Fine to yeah. in the regular season, or if you know you have a mismatch, but you should not think to yourself as soon as I leave the three point line, my options are go all the way to the rim, or kick it. 
No, they don't even think to oh. kick it. Well, <laughs> Sterling, Sterling Brown rarely and does. We're not capable of making those yeah. passes. <laughs> uh, I've seen sort of, Sterling's gotten better, but I mean, generally, I yeah. Sterling has good assist games and stuff like that. But like, uh. it, it those are tough reads to make when you're a smaller guy. I Giannis is a little bit bigger, and he was struggling to make them. So I I hope they did some film today. I hope that was a point of emphasis is that when you're going on these drives, specifically with Giannis, you got to look for film on stuff like that because so, he was just missing it. And there's only so, so many ways you can throw coverage at a guy. When you brought up before to, to return to where we started, the second the from visually what I could see, the second thing that really clearly bothered me besides like a true point of, contention with the team's play besides Giannis. I saw a lot of not Giannis uh, hero ball from certain players uh, getting walled off in the paint. Uh, I saw it from Sterling, one for seven from the field, um, zero assists. Uh, he, was, he was pretty bad. How many of those uh, were threes? Uh, he had three. Three attempts. Three or three. Yeah, so, you know... But he did, you know, drive to the rim. Get, I, I, I think he got blocked a couple times. I don't know. Um, Bledsoe, uh, just a, a lot of a lot of guy. Like I'm accustomed to seeing lots of ball movement from the Bucks, lots of off ball movement, and I feel like I saw less of that. I saw a lot of hectic drives to the rim, try to get a foul call. Um, I mean, again, I could be wrong. Like, you, please tell me what you saw. Right. Um, guys didn't get to their spots. Like, they weren't in a hurry down the court. Giannis did something that I absolutely detest from star players. He uh, he st- he stopped to talk to the refs after he thought he got fouled instead of getting back on defense. Mm. And like, it, I don't know if you're playing. This isn't the Detroit Pistons. You have to get back on defense. This is the boss. His, his defense was bad, man. In that game, it was pretty bad. And it's sort of the same thing as his offense. He's missing the right read. He's not. He wasn't engaged. He got back cut a couple of times, and it's like, what are you doing? This isn't Giannis Antetokounmpo, Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, well, runner up, but <laughs> uh, we we could talk about uh, Chris Middleton. I thought he was uh, not bad. I don't Chris know. Was, Chris was great. Uh, I thought I, I was thought very Chris much when the first quarter best. was going. Um, when the first quarter was going on, I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, I'm going to get to gloat about Chris Middleton after the game." So excited, so excited mm. for that experience. Yeah. Um, he was he was kind of cooking from three. He was feeling it. Um, he uh, he hasn't really figured it out inside the arc like all year. Like he has some nice like sort of uh, bully post moves where he uh, can get the guy in a back down and elevate over him and shoot. But yeah, tough he, shot express. he's not getting the easy shots at the rim. Um, mm. His floater is kind of weak. It's yeah. not. It's it's pretty much like the deli floater at times where you you really don't think it's going to go in. Yeah. Um, sometimes he has some nice. Uh, early in the season, we saw some sort of nice moves that he would have where he would be able to lay it off glass, and it just mm. seems like those haven't been going in lately. But like, I, I don't think Chris is the longer the longer time, like the more time happens day by day chris will become less and less of an effective paint offensive scorer and i'm fine with that but i'm fine so much more of its touch and footwork than uh like speed and athleticism yeah 
Hmm. Like that's part of it, but like there's a reason Russell Westbrook isn't good at the rim or isn't yeah. as good at the rim as the league's best. Um, but Chris was good. He led the team in assists. He led the team in rebounds. Um, you know, he yeah, he had 16, 10, and six, man. Yeah. That's uh, 41, great. you know, 41% from the field, which is the best of the starters. I'll have, you know, uh, like three or four from three. Uh, I just I think know. it's embarrassing when Sterling Brown attempts more baskets than air Bledsoe. Like, yeah, Bledsoe it, is bad. So. It, you got to be assertive. And how many of those were threes? Yeah, he was 0 for 4 on threes. Correct. So he attacked the rim once and he scored. Yeah, I think he... I recall him attacking the rim more than that, but but just I don't know. Maybe he got stripped. I, I I don't know. It was just when when they were attacking the rim, they were just facing a wall of defenders. They I they had their I mean as you know they had their worst game in the paint. Twenty nine points in the paint. By f- I don't know what the next worst is, but I would assume that's by far their worst game of the season. I know it is and the worst. Bledsoe should be bullying Kyrie. And if somebody comes to help, and another issue, they ran a pick and roll one time. I don't. I think it was George Hill that ran it. Yeah. Giannis was the I roll ju- guy. Yeah. Uh, Giannis was the roll guy. And mm-hmm. Horford and Kyrie collapse on Hill. And he'll just totally misses it. It's like all you have to do is toss it up for Giannis, and we get a dunk. Like, it, I those front, <laughs> to quote it, it, Stephen A. Ooh, these people <laughs> they bother me so much. You just want them to make that easy read, and when you see it, you're just like, Ugh. so yeah. So that what are we doing right now? We're we're, ta- we're talking about decision making. Yeah. Oh, it was. It, so that's that's what it is. It's 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 so much of this game, from Giannis to the bench, it it doesn't matter. So much of it is decision making. Where whether that's deciding when to pass, whether that's deciding to move off ball to get to your spot, whether that's deciding to uh, cut to the rim, um, it, the it, it's 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 odd. Like you know. One of the things that one of the concerns that you know the uh, skeptics had about the Bucks is they said, well, their their team is led their the veterans and the leaders of their team. I should say the leaders of their team. You know, the starters are young. You know, like do they have the playoff experience? I actually kind of thought that was like ridiculous at the time, but this game made that look like a fair point. So, so the answer for game two. Start Pau Gasol. <laughs> Bring in the vets. Bring them off the bench. Uh, let's just re. Let's see if we can get Jason Terry to wear Brogdon's jersey or something. Let's bring him back in. Uh, let's talk about Brogdon. If the Bucks have Brogdon, do they win game one? No. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. If Brogdon pushes Pat Connaughton out of the rotation, it's a much closer game. Oh, it's absolutely. not a win. Connaughton <laughs> was such. He was very, <laughs> really bad. I'm cursed. I will never be able to have a favorite basketball team where I like every player on it. Um, it's and it's not like a personal thing. It's just like I, to be able to say I enjoy watching every one of them play minutes. I'll find somebody to nitpick. I know I don't even think it's a team construction thing. I just think that I'm the worst. <laughs> Everybody's a critic, and you're one of them. 
Yeah. Uh, and just one thing, like Budenholzer needs to play the starters more minutes. I don't care if you don't think they're being effective. Let's only play twenty five minutes, dude. Who did? Arguably, Bledsoe. Yeah. There's some some people can make an argument that Bledsoe is the second best player on the team this year. Some people can do that. They, no, they couldn't. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into that, but I, I think I think there's times when you could. He he when he had some excellent stretches of play. But like, regardless, I understand that George Hill is your best backup, but play yeah. them both. Like Sterling yeah. Brown doesn't necessarily need to close games. You've played them together plenty before. The when the Celtics are playing Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown's not going to bully George Hill in the post. He's not going to bully Eric Bledsoe in the post. He's not going to just rise up and shoot over him. That's not what Jalen Brown does. Um, and like Sterling's fine, but like if you want to go with that look with both of them, that's fine. But like Eric Bledsoe needs to play more, and he has to be more assertive. I don't know if Bud was trying to send a message by not playing his guys a lot of minutes, but that doesn't really make sense to me anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't know. One one of the, I think there's a tweet that uh, came out today talking about, um, talking about Bledsoe and sort of, I do not have it in front of me and, and I hate to <laughs> not, not be detailed in my talk, in my discussions, but uh I don't know. I guess, I guess Bledsoe remarked that their film session was pretty aggressive on and from. Oh, he Bud said they got chewed out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, you're talking about. I and think it was sounded, Velasquez. And it's not. Yes, it was from Velasquez. Uh, it sounded like an energy and effort. It sounded very energy and effortish. Like I was a little worried, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel I think like that's we, the summation. Yeah. I, I don't even want to do predictions for game two because if they lose, the season's over. And if they win, well, they were supposed to win both of them. So, like, yeah. Uh, they need we'll, to win. They have to win. They have to. We like, should be able to find a time to podcast Wednesday or Thursday. So, we'll come back to you after game two mm -hmm. and do our post mortem on the season. Or, oh, no. Or say what went right and what they need to do differently in game three. Most likely the latter. Most likely the latter. Uh, anything yeah. else you want to say? Like, I, I honestly think that, like, I don't want to spend, I don't want this to turn into an hour long pod because there was an hour long worth of stuff that went wrong. But mm -hmm. we've covered the biggest parts. And honestly, I don't think either of us expect game two to look like game one. No way. Because Giannis will get his nap. Um, I do want to say one thing, uh, it's a positive. So, and that is my boy, my MVP of the game, which was Nikola Miritich. Um, I was so, he, he brought it, he brought it and he was excellent. And that was just because he was making those threes and he was part of that, that late, second quarter run to bring it back and it was thrilling i was i was yelling cheering i was so into it i love miritich i love his quick trigger i think he brings uh, a dimension of the team that they need nobody else brings it and i was so upset equally upset that they did not try to get him the ball more in the second half and that is another decision 
So I guess I am going to leading this to a negative, but I, I don't know. I loved Miritich in that game. So I liked how Miritich and Middleton played in the first half. I don't understand why they didn't really touch the ball in the second half. I oh. believe in the first half they were three of four and three of three from three respectively. And yep. uh, how many attempts did Miritich get in the second half? Miritich attempted one three and Middleton yeah. attempted zero. Zero. Yeah. I don't quite it, understand that. And if you recall, that run was uh, was Giannisless. Um, it was led. It was Middleton. That. Middleton, uh, Miritich, Urson, Brooke, and I. George Hill. I don't. I think George it was George Hill. Yeah. Pro- I think it was George Hill as well. But there probably was a couple swaps with the guards because I don't recall. It was a three big lineup. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. The jumbo lineup worked, but yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, follow me on Twitter at June's for shiz. Um, I don't remember your Twitter. Otherwise I would plug it for you, but why don't you go ahead and plug it? It's at uh, Bill Cantonary. Yeah. That if was, you want to follow, it's up to you. Um, at June's for shiz, uh, best Twitter account, uh, from my household. <laughs> all right <laughs> all right i will lead us out here then uh thank you for listening to our depressing podcast today um be ready to come back for game three when we're hooting and hollering having a great time <laughs> uh because they're not gonna lose folks they're not, they're gonna, not lose. gonna lose anyways uh for me and for al Have a great game, too.